Annyeonghaseyo. Welcome to Afternoon of Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, three American romance novelists discussing all things K-romance from a writer's lens. We fangirl over our favorite actors and actresses, talk up our trope addictions, and nerd out on K-drama deep dives. We'll throw in a few K-pop and K-skincare recs for good measure, because why not ride the Hallyu wave all the way to shore? So grab some tech bokey and listen to your new favorite unis. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hi there. Happy book release, Amy. Yeah. Amy has some news. Thank you. And I spoiled it. That's okay. Yeah. So I had a new book release yesterday and it's called The Bloom Girls. And this one's a really exciting book for me because it's not romance. It's my first women's fiction book, but I do promise anyone who reads my romance that there are romances in this book, but romance is just not the focus of the book. So it's a mother-daughter story. My inspiration for it is one of my favorite TV series of all time, which is The Gilmore Girls, hence the title The Bloom Girls. I'm so excited that my publisher came up with that title. And it's a mother-daughter story about a woman named Alyssa who is approaching 40, and she was a teen mom, and her daughter is a college graduate and is spending the summer in Europe. And the night before her daughter is coming back home after two months away, Alyssa realizes that she is pregnant at 39 with her ex-husband's baby because they had a little one night stand at their daughter's college graduation after a little nostalgia set in. And so she's all you know worried about what are we going to tell our daughter because she doesn't even know what the situation is with her ex. And then her daughter comes home from Europe, hops out of the ride chair with a guy and announces, hey, I'm engaged. This is my fiance. And so it's kind of a cross between my big fat Greek wedding and Gilmore Girls with like, I'd say a little splash of Mamma Mia. So there's a wedding being planned, a pregnancy being hidden, romance is going on, and it's a lot of fun. I'm really excited about this book. Oh, and it's all Jewish characters too. So that's another really exciting thing for me. So anyway, it's called The Bloom Girls, and I hope you might read it. It sounds really good. It does. It sounds amazing. And, you know, everyone listening, and I'm not just saying this because she's my friend. Um, Amy's a really beautiful writer. I, you know, read her books before I got to know her. So I wasn't like biased. You know, I loved <laughs> I loved her books and then knew I wanted to be friends with her. So do check out Bloom Girls because, again, she's a great writer and I'm excited to read it. And I will order that because I want the paper back on my shelf. I'm going to do it like right now with one click. Thank you, Megan. That was really sweet. But truthfully, like that's how the three of us became friends is we all read each other's unpublished work. We met on social media, read each other's unpublished work, like critiqued each other. And I mean, it's a good thing we all loved each other's writing because I don't think we would be friends if we <laughs> read each other's books and we're like, Ugh, yeah. not for me. And I have to tell this person. So yeah, it worked out really well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And along with our friend, Natalie, who does not watch K-dramas, so she's not on this podcast with us, but same. We've been friends for a while. We love each other's writing. So all right. Well, speaking of good writing. Yes. Good segue. Um, <laughs> no puns, but speaking of good writing, today we're talking about Flower of Evil. A devoted husband who can't keep his hands or lips off his wife. A doting father of a preschooler. A skilled metal craftsman who owns an upmarket art studio. A skilled metal craftsman who owns an upmarket art studio with a basement where he occasionally locks up and semi-tortures childhood friends. <laughs> a sociopath? A serial killer? Welcome to Flower of Evil, a drama that has more twists than a Dairy Queen soft serve ice cream cone. This drama follows a metal craftsman by the name of Bae Ki Sung, played by Lee Joon Gi, and his attempts to hide his past from his wife, played by Moon Che Wan. Famed American author William Faulkner sums it up best. The past is never dead. 
it's not even past. For he sung, the skeletons in his closet are a lot like the zombies in Train to Busan. They just won't stay buried. And worse, his wife is a super smart detective who gets assigned to an infamous serial killer case, the Yunju City Murders, where the accomplice is still at large. And soon she's seeing a lot of correlations between the man she's looking for and the man sleeping next to her every night. Oh, and he sung might be openly affectionate to his family, but he has to practice smiling and demonstrating emotion in the bathroom mirror. Dun, dun, dun. In 2020, screenwriter Yu Jung Hee sat down with Soon Pi to discuss Flower of Evil. Here's what she had to say. What if you start to suspect the husband you've loved for 14 years might be a serial killer? I was thinking through various concepts and came up with the idea of a husband who pretends to be noble and pure and a wife who loves with an innocent heart. I liked the irony in that. She continued, I also thought it was interesting to ask this question. If someone does their absolute best for their partner in order to take their own dark secret to the grave, can you really say they are living a lie? I wanted to beef up that story, so I raised the stakes in making the couple a suspected serial killer and a detective. The show is created through the hard work and passion of many people. I'm grateful that fans have felt our sincere intentions. I hope that it can become a drama in which people wonder what happens to the lead characters after it's over. I want them to think once in a while, I wonder how they're living now. So, did she succeed, y'all? Do you think about these lead characters even after the drama? Absolutely. All the time. I wonder how they're doing and I hope they're doing well and I hope they're healing (laughs) after all they went through. So I really love that that's her hope because I do believe she succeeded. The show definitely ended with, you know, without being spoilerly yet, with a kind of resolution, but it was also a little open-ended in a way that I never thought I would enjoy. Like I actually usually like things kind of wrapped up in a neat little bow, but there was no way this drama could have done that. It wouldn't have been believable. And I think everything she said that she was all the questions she said she kind of asked herself in order to prompt the story are questions that I pondered as I was watching it. Yeah, I think about this drama at least once a week, if not more. Lee Jun-gi is otherworldly in this, like wholly magnetic. And Moon Chae-won is one of my favorite heroines ever. The only reason neither were in our favorite heroines or Mary Murder Mate pod is because there was no way for me to talk about their amazing performances without spoiling this drama. I've literally been out of my mind excited to talk about this drama on the pod since I finished the final episode at 2 a.m. swollen-eyed on a morning where I had to get up and go to work. So yes, the writer succeeded big time for me. Bravo. Well done. This drama is one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, and this is the drama that brought Lee Jun-gi into my life. So I have to say that for me, he was kind of like Kim Woo-bin and Lee Min-ho, where I was kind of like, eh, I see photos of them and I'm not that fussed. But then he starts acting and I'm just gone. So I think this was a really hard role to bring to life. I also think it was well-written, but it could have flopped without pitch-perfect execution. And we got pitch-perfect execution. And Mu Chae-won really is wife goals. I mean, I'd put a ring on her. <laughs> 100%. She's so amazing. I loved her character with just everything I was. So I think this is a hard drama to talk about without spoilers, but we do want to try to offer a spoiler-free section for those of you that were still hoping to entice to take this wild ride. So this section right now is non-spoiler while we kind of do more of a general discussion, and then we'll signal when we're getting into the more spoiler side. Okay, so Megan, 
I want to ask what's your favorite question probably from me. Does the title work for the drama in your opinion? (laughs) I actually really like talking about K-drama titles because I feel strongly about them usually. So I actually looked up why it was called Flower of Evil. So I found quotes from the writer, Yoo Jung-hee. So she said, the title itself, Flower of Evil, represents Lee Joon-gi's character, which we cannot define as black or white, and Cha Ji-won's character, who has to learn accepting the new world after destroying the walls with inside herself. She further explained, I would like to share the message that even where the evil has been buried, flowers can still bloom. And so that last sentence was what really got me. And that is also why I was like, yes, this title works for me. I mean, the title itself has this juxtaposition of the word evil, which speaks for itself, and the word flower, which we often associate with beauty. And this drama was exactly that. I mean, there was a lot of evil in this drama. I don't think it's spoilery. They're serial killer talk okay like immediately but there's also so much beauty to beauty in the power of love and fatherhood and motherhood and i love the idea that even if evil has been planted in someone like lee jun gi's character he was still able to create this beautiful relationship and family with jiwon so amy what are some comps for this drama While I think this drama is unlike anything I've ever seen before, I think some good comps are other dramas that pair serial killers and romance, which is something that, surprise, I love. So for that, I offer Suspicious Partner to start. While Suspicious Partner, I think, has much more comedy than Flower of Evil does, it also gives us a very complex villain who keeps us guessing until the very end. Same with When the Camellia Blooms. We have a frightening serial killer on the loose who is targeting the heroine, and the suspense is drawn out for a good portion of the drama. Now, what I'm even going to throw in The King Eternal Monarch as a good comp, because here we have a heroine who is a homicide detective, so we've got a little bit of a parallel there, and a murderous villain who is always one step ahead. The only thing all these comps are missing, though, is the added element of the heroine suspecting the hero, her husband, of being the murderer. For me, that element is truly what sets Flower of Evil above all the rest. You know, as I was watching it, it gave me, I said this in our Slack channel, it reminded me of Healer in the way the plot was written. So I think Healer has a much different atmosphere than Flower of Evil, like a much, much different atmosphere. Healer is in no way as dark and like emotionally draining as Flower of Evil. Like I didn't even cry in Healer. But the way Healer was written, where it's a lot of characters and sort of like plot lines that like merge together and are kind of intertwined and there's a lot of like shifting character motivations and also just the sheer like in healer the plot was like driven forward 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 every scene mattered it moved very swiftly there was no filler and that's the way flower of evil was written to me it was no filler continually driving the plot forward each episode ended on a cliffhanger that like you had to keep watching So I don't know, it's hard for me to say that Healer is a comp because I do think the actual like emotions are so much different. But if you like that kind of hard driving plot, that's what Flower of Evil is. I would totally agree. And I would even add to the fact that both dramas, the present unfolds by visiting the past. Ah, good point. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. they, They both have that same element where things are revealed in flashbacks that kind of blow your mind. Yes. When you get back to the present. And I normally hate flashbacks. Flower of Evil had the best flashbacks. I swear, the best flashbacks. So good. 
So, Leah, what emotions should the viewer expect? I think that the primary feeling that the viewer is going to experience is probably tension. And I mean, like gripping the blanket, squeezing the pillow, edge of the couch tension. It's a thriller, but it does have lots of quiet moments. A character looking in a mirror or, you know, a camera panning through a basement or an abandoned pool. Like, it's very stressful. (laughs) And this isn't a funny drama. Like, I don't think you should hope for comedic relief because it's really not going to happen for you, in my opinion. I think there's fear, there's trauma, there's disassociation, there's sadism. There's also deep love and respect and joy. Also, I'm going to say that if Lee Jun-gi shedding a tear doesn't get you weeping, you might need to examine your soul. He emotes like nobody's business. Yep, 100%. Absolutely. And I mean, like one of the things that, because Leah and I were buddy watching this, and one of the things that we talked about is how exhausting it was to watch it because of how it puts your emotions through the ringer. So 100% agree that even the quiet moments are super stressful, but in a really, really well done way. Yeah, I didn't rush through this. And mainly because sometimes I just needed a break after an episode. Like I loved it, but it was, yeah, it was exhausting. All right. So really, that's kind of like it for the non-spoilery part of the conversation. It's not long, but hopefully if you have not watched the drama, this was enough to entice you. You know, before we pivot to the spoiler section, stick around and hear about, you know, our favorite part of each podcast is our recommendations. And today, Amy has a K-Merch rec. So I am going drama specific today. And there are lots of artists out there that have some great Flower of Evil merchandise. But one that caught my eye is the artist listed as the Garden of Eden, all one word, on Public, which is simply tpublic, T-E-E, public.com. This artist has taken the poster image of the drama and turned it into what looks like a photograph negative with flowers overlaid on the image. The image itself is all in black and white and looks really super cool. Items are available in other colors, but the black and white image to me looks best on a black background. And you can get a t-shirt, a sweatshirt, a sticker, a mug, face mask. There are tons of products with this image on it, and I really just love the artwork. So again, that is on TeePublic, which is tpublic.com. And the artist you want to search is The Garden of Eden, all one word. And the artist has other K-drama merch as well, including some no-touching Mr. Queen fan art, just for you, Leah. (laughs) (laughs) Also, before we move on to the spoiler section, something I don't think that we've kind of like put kind of an ask out for y'all listening for a while is, you know, if you are enjoying listening to us and, you know, you like to subscribe or like catch our weekly shows, it would be amazing if you could leave a review, either just a star or like write something nice and put it on Apple Podcasts because I think it really helps with our discoverability. And we've been so stoked that we're getting more listeners and that like our little baby podcast that we had this idea of in the middle of a sad and lonely pandemic winter is like gaining traction. And so honestly, like if you have like a second and just want to like leave us a star or if you want to write something like we do look at all the reviews that we get and it would just be a really great way to keep like boosting our listenership so that's my little like you know if you want to do something good today that'll give you a warm feeling we'll feel that feeling too (laughs) make us feel warm too (laughs) basically being 40 now means knowing to ask for what you want like 100 i'm two years away but i'm i'm there yeah we're modeling i'm just modeling for you (laughs) 
Yes, we're getting to the spoiler portion because honestly, this drama is so hard to talk about without spoilers. So you can stop the episode right here if you need to. I will say that I went into Flower of Evil knowing literally nothing about it. I didn't even read a synopsis, and I think that was the best way to go into it. So basically, do you think this is a hard drama to talk about, even with spoilers? There are just so many plot threads. Yeah, it's a really hard drama to discuss without peeling back all the layers and literally rehashing every episode. The writing was so expertly done and so well executed by the director and the actors that to simply talk about it with someone who hasn't seen the drama can't really do it justice. So listeners, if you haven't watched yet, trust me when I say that no matter how much I gush about this drama, it is nothing compared to the experience of watching it all unfold. And here's a question that I think about a lot in doing like, you know, a podcast where, you know, we talk about different types of Korean dramas and kind of like talk about what we like and then ultimately kind of compare them against each other. How can we compare a drama take like I am not a robot versus Flower of Evil? Like, how do you even decide which one you like more? So we talked about a little bit about this in our Slack channel. And to me, it is really hard to compare. So Flower of Evil is excellent for what it is, this like emotional thriller. And so is I'm Not a Robot, which is a romantic comedy. And they are two very different things with two very different purposes. Like I've always said, like, I love Touch Your Heart. It's five out of five for me. Is it like this like groundbreaking drama? No, but as a office rom-com, I thought it was perfect and adorable. And I loved it. How do you compare Touch Your Heart (laughs) to Flower of Evil? I think it's human nature to compare those. So I still want to say, well, which one, you know, which one did I like more, I guess? So for me personally, how I choose which one I like more boils down to how much I enjoyed watching it. So as much as I love Flower of Evil, and I thought it was brilliant and perfectly written and perfectly acted, it gave me a lot of the same feelings that It's Okay Not to Be Okay gave me, that there were many moments that were just painful to watch and not many that were fun. And some viewers want that painful angst all the time. So of course, they would love Flower of Evil, and that would be like their top drama. But for me personally, I need a little bit of that pure enjoyment and humor. And so, you know, I said earlier, I actually found Flower of Evil similar to Healer in the way the plot was written, like the woven threads with shifting character motivations. But Healer had so much more enjoyment for me. There was funny moments. There were super, super romantic moments. And so that makes me love it more. But I still think, you know, you can't compare apples and oranges to be cliche. You know what I mean? You have to take a drama and say, okay, did this drama accomplish what I think it was trying to accomplish? And if the answer is yes, then I give it a good rating. And I say, yeah, it was a fantastic drama. Thank you. That was actually a pretty like nuanced description. So thank you. I tried. And I also would like to thank you for talking about It's Okay without splitting the infinitive. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? I know. I typed it that way on purpose. So our favorite, Lee Joon-gi, why was he born to play Bae Ki-sung and No Hun-soo? Good Lord. I don't even know what to say because, like I said earlier, talking about this performance is nothing compared to watching it, but I'll try. So it's kind of how I fell for Lee Min-ho, but this was on a whole other level. I remember when Megan, when you were loving Lawless Lawyer and you would text us pics from the drama and I just kind of shrugged like, sure, this Lee Joon-gi guy looks cool. (laughs) But that was about it, you know? But then I saw him in the first episode of Flower of Evil. And he is truly nothing short of magnetic. I keep using that word because I don't know what else to say. If I didn't rush to watch Lawless Lawyer after this, 
to see what a cocky, tailored suit wearing badass he could be, I truly would have thought that he was Becky Song slash Do Hyun Soo in real life. And that the drama was a documentary because he disappears into this role and gives us something truly magical to behold. And I know that sounds cheesy as fuck, but it is the truth. Like, you know, you're talking about like what makes, you know, how do you compare dramas and stuff? And the big thing for me with a drama is would I watch it again? And as exhausting as this drama was, 100%, I would watch it again because Lee Jung Gi's performance is out of this world. Like I can't, I just, yeah, there's no words. I just, I want to see it again because I still can't believe that he wasn't this character in real life. And I actually think it's pretty funny that we both ran off and watched Lee Jun Gi drama as soon as we finished. Cause I went right into Moon Lovers, which is incredibly difficult to watch in the US and <laughs> suffered through all sorts of like ads and craziness trying to watch it. But yeah, like again, seeing him as like the fourth prince in Moon Lovers. I mean, still, I think Flower of Evil is his best performance, but he just brings so much like magnetic energy to all his roles. It's crazy. Yeah. So before I started watching Lawless Lawyer, I was like, oh, yeah, Hero looks kind of cool, I guess. But then I started watching it and the very first scene of Lawless Lawyer, he's like driving his like fancy car and he's just so effortlessly cool. And as Amy said, he's magnetic on screen. And Lawless Lawyer was a very good drama, but I mean... Lee Jun Gi is just, he makes it. I mean, and just the way he moves his body in the action scenes, it's just incredible. And it's all, yeah, he's fantastic. Big Jun Gi energy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing like it. So, what was on Moo Jin's video, the one he sung blackmails him with? And was it what you expected? Okay, so this whole little like subplot was really interesting to me. I think this drama has like lots of fun little mysteries within the bigger mystery that just kind of like keep you hooked. And as a writer, I really like appreciate that. And I thought it was actually like a good reminder of like how much all the little questions add up and really matter in terms of like keeping us like overall engaged. And this was one that really got me. And at first it made me wonder, I mean, it didn't seem plausible, but I did wonder if like Mujin was the accomplice or like later I was just confused. And I just had I spent a lot of emotional energy needing to know what was on the dang video. So basically, he sung at one point breaks into his former buddy's house. And as he's like snooping around realizes that, you know, he seems to watch this one old video over and over and over and over. And when we finally kind of like figure out the reason why it broke my heart. So you know, they were all friends as kids, like in teens. And at one point they are playing hide and go seek-ish. And Mujin ends up in, you know, that cheerful basement of torture and murder. So like imagine being at your bestie's house, just running around, having some fun and discover that there's like a secret basement with a rusty metal cage, dog leashes and murdering weapons. Oh, and like a bag with something big moving inside of it a bloody bag <laughs> yeah definitely a bloody bag yeah and then you know your friend's dad appears on camera and is like oh you found my like elk or deer or whatever and like moonjin just gets the effing hell out of dodge and i think like seems to wrestle forevermore with like what did he see and how did what he see make him complicit and it just like again like more trauma like more ptsd and like these poor kids like all three of the children from like that time period were just so effed up by these psychos yeah i remember i was texting you and i was like you know you like mujin's character and then you're like did he 
freaking kill someone? Like, what did he do? Like, what is on this? Yeah, we were going nuts. Like, what is on this video? And is he watching this because he's like into it and like having some sort of like murder fetish? Yeah. That's why I thought it was like, was it like a snuff film? Like, gross. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was really scared for that. I really did like Mujin. I'm, I did too. At first, I, I didn't like him because, you know, all shows love, you know, showing smarmy reporters but mujin was just he i think he had a lot of heart and he did i i adored him so chaji wan why is she the goat so okay for me chaji wan gave me basically everything that taewool didn't in king the eternal monarch <laughs> and i know he can't like apples to oranges or whatever but like right. look but i totally get it i do yeah both are badass detectives with a penchant for solving violent crimes. But I felt like the characterization of Jiwon was just way more relatable, but like also nuanced and sympathetic. I truly believe that she loved her husband for better and worse and believed in his light while willing to accept his dark. And she really is the emotional heart of her family and is willing to go to any length to protect her like immediate family unit and keep them intact. And in a drama where hardly anyone is what they seem, Jiwon is the same in private as she is in public and in her marriage as she is in work. She's just an open book. And when she finds out that she's living a lie, she reacts like any sane person, but then dug deep and really found her belief that even though her husband didn't believe it, he was a good and decent man and she was going to prove it. Oh, she was amazing. Like, amazing. Yeah, put a ring on it. Like, I'll marry For real. Her. For real. <laughs> Okay, so what's a scene in this drama that is going to stick with you forever? I think my episode 11 theory is coming true more and more as I watch dramas, because that's where my favorite scene is in Flower of Evil. So this is a scene where I knew that both Lee Joong-gi and Mu Chae-wan would be two of my favorite actors for life. And it's when Cha Ji-won catches Do Hyun-soo with the human trafficker, because Hyun-soo is trying to catch whoever was his serial killer father's accomplice, before his father died, because did we mention that Hyun Soo is the son of a murderer? We've been kind of dancing around it, but he is the son of a serial killer. And people think that he is possibly the accomplice. So Ji Won has been suspecting that her husband, the man living as Baek Hee Sung, is a suspected murderer who disappeared years ago. But instead of arresting him and taking him in, when she finds him with the human trafficker, she saves his life because the human trafficker has Hyun Soo handcuffed to a door and is about to set the room on fire. So then he turns around and saves her life when the trafficker attempts to strangle her. Then she tells him to run to get out of her life and their daughter's life and to save himself and just get the hell out of Dodge. Until now, Hee-sung or Hyun-soo has believed and made us believe that he is incapable of emotion, especially of feeling love. That he is, for all intents and purposes, a psychopath who has taught himself how to feign love and other emotions. But it's at this point in the drama where he does run away and we see him speeding down the road and can tell that he's unraveling. He stops in the middle of the street and tries to call Jiwon, but she won't answer. He's panicking. He's crying. And seconds later, a taxi pulls up and Jiwon gets out. He's sobbing while he apologizes for hurting her. And then she's sobbing. I'm sobbing. Mm -hmm. I'm sobbing. Mm -hmm. Like sobbing. I'm sobbing. We're all sobbing. sobbing. And then finally... He says that he doesn't want to run. He just wants to go home. And so they do. And they walk into their home silently, the first time being under the same roof where they both know the truth. And they are both still crying when they share this 
ridiculously emotional kiss. And we know that this kiss is the real deal, that even if he doesn't know it yet, even if he doesn't think he's capable of it, that Hyunsu loves his wife. And I'm <laughs> literally like literally goosebumps on my arms as I'm reading this. Like I wrote this yeah. all out because I knew that I wouldn't be able to say it without like bursting into tears. And I am, I'm like close to tears right now, just reading that because I'm picturing the scene and <sighs> it's episode 11, y'all like episode fucking 11. Right. And that was beautiful writing there, Amy. I do have to say, see, that's why you guys need to read her books. Thank you. I'm like, yeah, I have chills again. My heart's pounding because I'm like remembering this all again. That was such an incredibly amazing scene. And you summed it up really well. I was a mess, an absolute mess. Like Leah was ahead of me and then I surpassed her. Like she was like five episodes ahead and then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm done. (laughs) So she texted me when she, she's like, oh my gosh. She's like, I am a mess right now after this episode. I'm like, oh my gosh, what happens? And then I watched it. Yeah. I mean, that episode forever changed me and for sure solidifies in my mind that these two actors are two of the greatest out there. So I watch a lot of my dramas on my phone, unfortunately, because I watch fairly late at night and like our TV is in our room and, you know, I like being married to my husband and having him sleep in my bed. So I watch like usually with like earphones and on my phone. And I always know I'm in like the drama zone when I'm just like laying there in the dark, trying so hard not to wake him up with my silent weeping. (laughs) And uh, this this was one of those moments. So You know, I also love to always know, like, what's a plot quibble that you have with this drama? We know we love it. It's also not flawless. So, like, you know, what's something that sticked out for you? Okay, so we mentioned Hyunsu. He has a serial killer father. And so he assumes another identity of Bae sung And how he does that is the real Bae sung is in a coma, okay? And after 14 years, he wakes up. Okay, 14 years. So what happens is the mother is basically like, he, this isn't living. He's just been in a bed for 14 years. Like, you know, and because the mom's a little, a little nuts. And she takes off his oxygen mask and he's like gasping for breath. And they're like, oh my God, he de- he's dead. And then all of a sudden his like eyes open and he's like, oh my. And he's like alive. And I'm like, uh, after 14 years, again, 14 years in a bed. Okay, and I understand that there's, like, ways, like, there's, like, machines that have been, like, working his muscles, but, like, he would have, after 14 years, you're telling me he's not, like, completely atrophied, and he actually, like, can form a word right away? Like, oh, ma. And, you know, I just kept thinking of, like, Kill Bill, like, when she wakes up, and she has, like, no use of, like, anything, and I don't know. So he wakes up after, four, again, 14 years. And his hair isn't stringy. <laughs> like they've been washing well, I it. I believe that. I believe it's that. Like... He, he does, okay, he does fall well, down yeah. the first time he tries to stand up. <laughs> I mean, sure. But then he's like walking very quickly and he's like talking. He's like a baby guess... deer. He just picks he it totally up fast. <laughs> I mean, I guess. I was just like, this is the one thing that I was like. I And I, I mean, I loved what happened like later with him. I really, truly did. But like that was really weird for me. I mean, like, sure, there are medical miracles, <laughs> but this one was just weird. And he also fell into a coma just this is another thing like his mom uh, i mean i don't think we need to get in why but sh- essentially she stabs you can. him we're in the spoiler section yeah. like- well, true so she stabs him with a knife for reasons which you got to watch the drama and that's how he falls into a coma from like a stab in the side <laughs> like is, is anyone else like really for 14 years you're just in a coma so from, like- this this drama despite having 
the real Becky Song's father be a doctor. Right. This drama is not about medical accuracies. No. no. And 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 it's just like, okay. And I just I just didn't get that whole coma thing. Also, I need to talk about why they even bothered dyeing his hair. This like horrible orange. I know, I really did. Well, I think why? it was just to help us visually kind of like past and present. I like, guess, but it was terrible. And it did lead you and Gee no favors. No, we will say no. that. Yeah. And I think my favorite part was, okay, so once he wakes up a medical miracle and is walking and talking and killing again, so he kills their housekeeper and he needs to frame Do Hyun-soo for killing this. So he, you know, <laughs> he collects <laughs> the dead woman's hair and like, like... <laughs> so there, I mean, there is some really contrived stuff in here, but you let it go because the rest is brilliant. I know. So Doesn't he like, clip her fingernails too? No, I don't. Yeah, yeah, but he's like sprinkling dead human hair in He Song's car, like a coma salt bay yeah, in the trunk, in a, like like a coma coma salt bay, and I couldn't take it. Like I had to. I, I admit, like I actually laughed at that scene because I'm like, what? Are you? <laughs> he's just like sprinkling it, and then he steeples his fingers and laughs evil. I mean, he truly. <laughs> oh, but he truly was like. I really oh, did he like him. He was a great. He was a great villain, like a great. Villain. Oh, totally. He no, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I I had to like suspend disbelief yes. about the whole coma thing, and that was okay. Like, I could, I, I honestly, it didn't ruin the drama for me. It was really cool when he woke up, but I just like that was my main plot quibble. As so I was like, all of a sudden, he's like walking. He's he's has he has the strength to strangle a woman to death. Like, really, after a coma for 14 years. <laughs> You know, you're not Beatrix. He was well rested. There's something to be said about your will to strangle someone. I, I think I he guess, was just so. well rested. It was like being in the chairman's <laughs> lantern in Tail the Nine Tail, that he's just kind of like popped well out. Rested. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, again, it definitely did not. I still think it was expertly written, and that was fine. It's just that I was like, I remember being in the Slack channel. I'm like, guys, seriously? He just woke up from a coma for 14 years and just like doing all this stuff. Oh, oh, and he wakes up too. And he wakes up and he's like, oh, ma. And then he's like, uh, what happened to the guy who's, yeah. who I hit with my car? I'm like, you remember that after being in a coma for 14 years? Like your brain? Right. It's like he's waking up after a nap. Well, maybe that's what a coma is like. I don't know. I mean, I just think it's funny that this is the quibble more than the fact that the guy he hit with his car just happened to be. Oh, I know. Like the person, like, you know, the, the son. son of the serial killer he'd been the accomplice to, like, and ran out of the woods randomly only to be hit. Like, that's, but, but you I know. Love, <laughs> I love coincidences like that. Because actually, as I was, like, watching the drama, I'm like, wait, so that really, they're really selling us that that was just a coincidence. Like, they're really selling that to us. I thought they were going to, like, yeah, it was going to be like he like, was, like, looking for him and then happened to hit him. With, nope, it was nope. just a total freak coincidence. And I kind of, I kind of loved it. Okay, so my quibble for me is that I wanted a lot more of the dad, the serial killing dad. And I mean, okay, maybe not a lot, but more than we got. So I feel like questions in this drama, there's some things like that I feel like the plot wrestles with, like related to our murders made or born, a bit like Strangers from Hell. And to me, Flower of Evil takes the opposite approach to Strangers from Hell. In Strangers, I think the drama is pretty firmly in the killers are made camp. Flower of Evil seemed to me to suggest that killers are born. Like when the dad meets the guy in the coma as a young kid and is like, oh, there's like a baby serial killer. 
Hyun Su's dad. Yeah. 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 You're right. I actually agree with that. But I agree with that juxtaposition. Strangers from Hell were like killers are made, whereas this one is killers are born. I agree. And I wanted to know how the dad compartmentalized his murdering from his parenting because he didn't seem like the worst dad. I mean, like he took Hyun Su to therapy as a kid. <laughs> right. And like, why? Like, what was he hoping to accomplish there? And like, you know, was he also like bummed his kids weren't in the murdering family business or happy that they weren't? And also, I thought it was interesting that he died because basically he was unwilling to kill his son. So I just felt like with the dad, I just wanted to know a lot more about like his compartmentalization. And I think the fact that he had his son in therapy really was interesting to me. Well, I mean, maybe he did bring his son to therapy so that he could find an accomplice to groom since his son wouldn't be it. Yeah. You know, like, that could be it. So, you know, I've got questions and I'd rather have more answers and less of the human trafficking subplot. Oh my which... God. I agree. I agree. Okay. So what's up with CCTV in Korea? It seems core to so many dramas. Okay. So I put this in the script because full disclosure, I've been wondering this for drama after drama after drama and a lot of K-cinema too. So CCTV seems to have like a core like link to so many, especially if there's any kind of mystery plot. So I needed to learn more about CCTV in Korea because I really just don't feel like we ever talk about CCTV in American shows. <laughs> like, I don't feel like it's always like, go to the CCTV. So the National Information Society Agency estimated in 2015 that there's about 8 million closed circuit television cameras installed across the country, although it's difficult to know the exact number. And so there's like government CCTV and public places. And then honestly, like all the information I saw was like, who knows how many are in like private residences or vehicles as like crime deterrents. So the public CCTV is installed to apparently reduce crime and social instability, which I think is like, I found that in some Korean newspaper. And I thought that was just like an interesting kind of gave me like the healer vibes of like Big Brother. And also apparently to keep an eye on any pro North Korean activities that could be afoot on the streets. So obviously, this has raised some concerns I saw in op-eds on whether South Koreans feel like they're under too much surveillance and whether or not information gathered could be used for more nefarious purposes than just law and order. And that kind of taps into some of the unease I felt like was raised in a drama, Amy, like the one we watched, My Holo Love. Yeah. However, during the COVID pandemic, CCTVs have helped play a significant role in reducing outbreaks as sick people are able to be tracked, as are the people they come in contact with. And I found this like little article in the Brookings Institute that I thought was interesting, which was throughout the outbreak, Korean public's opinions about surveillance have been really positive because fatalities in Korea are about a third of the global average. And Korea has been one of the very few countries to flatten the curve and avoid a significant reemergence of the virus. And despite these successes, there have been voices expressing concern about the level of detail released by health authorities. Like, and in one case, netizens appeared to have identified a couple. I love netizens in Korea. Well, I don't love them, but they're just always up to like hijinks. In one case, netizens appeared to identify a couple engaged in an extramarital affair by tracking their movements. Oh, my God. So such incidents are rare, but they have nonetheless motivated updates to surveillance guidance. And there's been like a petition in process for making policies to like withhold information deemed sensitive. So anyway, all this to say CCTV was used a lot in Flower of Evil. And given that, you know, we Americans seem as a society allergic to any form of monitoring, a fact that came out more and more during COVID, the fact that the majority of South Koreans seem to be pretty fine living with like a lot of CCTV seems interesting to note. 
So, you know, if anyone listening is from South Korea or has lived there or is living there, you know, I would love you to email us at afternoonadelightpodcast at gmail.com because I really want to hear more. I remember one of the first times that I saw it and they were talking about black boxes and cars. I was like, does that just come with every car? (laughs) Right? I just, so many questions. Yeah. Well, have you ever seen, maybe this is me, like when I go down like YouTube rabbit holes, but have you ever watched like Russian? No. (laughs) Okay. No, I already don't know what you're talking about. No, so I don't know if in Russia they all have cameras in their cars. I think they might have like a black box type thing, but there's like compilation of like Russian car crashes that are like from the point of view of the cameras in the cars. And it's like insane. Like the driving is just all over the place. I don't know. I'm so interested about you and your YouTube watching. Same. Oh, I know. I watch, don't even, I watch the weirdest stuff. And it will, I think that one, my husband was like, you got to watch these. And we just like, are like, oh my God, look at that. Like, we're like children because it was really interesting to watch. But anyways. Yeah. And I mean, like, we definitely have security cameras out and about, but I just don't feel like, you know, especially, and I mean, like, granted, I'm not like up and up on all procedural dramas in the US, but I just don't feel like, I mean, it's in every K-drama practically is references to CCTV. And I just don't feel like if you watch like, you know, American TV, there's very little times that I think people are going to be like, go to the CCTV. Like it happens. (laughs) It's just not like, what was the HBO? show that came out last summer everybody was watching with like Hugh Grant and oh and Nicole Kidman I forgot what it's yeah. called I forgot what it's called too it really stuck with me but anyway <laughs> there was like some CCTV stuff in that but I don't know it's just not that big of a deal here so I want to know okay so moving on from CCTV sorry it's just a rabbit hole I needed to be in thoughts on the amnesia twist how do you normally feel about amnesia in your k-drama and how does it work here So I normally hate amnesia with a passion of a thousand fiery suns, like hate it. Although I did read a romance book with amnesia that I really enjoyed. I can recommend it later at the end. So when the amnesia plotline happened in Flower of Evil, at first I actually thought he was faking it. I did too. I kept going back and forth. Yeah, I I wasn't sure. But when I realized it was real, I was like, at first, I remember that's when I, I like went into our Slack channel and I was like, oh my God, he has amnesia. I need to take a break. Like I need to take a break from this episode. But then as I watched it, it really began to make sense to me for the character and for the plot. Hyunsu needed to shed the Bae sung identity and get to know himself as Hyunsu. So they basically brought him back to square one or, you know, they kind of brought him back to like base. Giving him amnesia to forget about 14 years when he was living someone else's life was actually brilliant. And so, you know, we talked about this. A main question of the drama was if he was capable of love as Hyun Su. So bringing him back to square one, Hyun Su, and showing him that he is capable of love was beautiful and real and so very important to the character. And to me, this was really the only way he could move on with his family was shedding that past. And so I ended up really, really loving it. And it gave me a much more hopeful feeling at the end of the drama. Hmm, I love that. That was a really, that was really good. Nicely worded. Thank you. I mentioned in our Merry Mate Murder podcast towards the end, we were talking about what something that we didn't know we hated until, you know, K-drama. And I teased that there was something that I hated or that I thought I hated and then it changed from this drama. And it is amnesia. Because a while back when Leah and I did our Boys Over Flowers slash Airs podcast, I think we both talked about how much we could not stand the amnesia storyline in Boys Over Flowers because it was just such a non sequitur and didn't need to be there. And it was just dumb. And I was like, I really don't like amnesia as a whole. Like, I'm, I'm not here for it. 
until this, I, my mind has totally been changed. The amnesia situation, which takes place between the penultimate and final episodes. So this is why I was up past my bedtime on a work night. I had to see how this played out. So to me, this was amnesia done right. Like Megan said, it was proof positive that Hyunsu was capable of love because even though he didn't remember Jiwon or his daughter or their life together, his heart did. Mm. This seriously killed me in the best possible way. Like it was beautiful and wonderful. And I want to watch it all over again. Like Megan, like like you, I thought that he was faking it at first. I'm like, but I thought he was faking it for a noble reason. I thought he was like, I don't want to cause her any more pain. Yes, that's exactly what I thought, which actually that would have annoyed me yes. way more. Yes. And so I thought he was faking it. And I, I kept texting Leah. I'm like, oh, there's amnesia. Oh, it's fake amnesia. But no, it was real. And what really got me was that even though he didn't remember her, he kept remarking to Mujin, why is he thinking about this woman? Like he doesn't know her, you know, kind of thing. Why is he still thinking about her? I loved it. You're right. His heart did. His heart still pounded. And then his heart remembered her. And And then at the very end, when he realizes why he called his shop what he did, (laughs) I died. Like that was... Oh, and she's standing there and she remembers everything, but she's willing to let him go. Oh, my God. It's just so. I mean, so like, as much as there are ridiculous coincidences, comas with Oma. Oh, <laughs> and oh, <my>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, creepy. It was now you look back at it now. It's like a creepy. Oma. He's like, oh, my. Oh, he's so what creepy. Until the man I hit with my car. Oh, so oh, creepy. Baby, awake and want to kill people. <laughs> Cover my crimes, Oma. Stab my belly, Oma. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I've lost it. <laughs> but anyway, all that to say, the reason we love it is because even though there is definitely some like misses, the hits are just such home runs. Oh, home runs. Absolutely. Oh, my God. So good. So good. Like, I just keep thinking of all the amazing scenes in this drama. I mean, it was it was truly something special. And this was actually one of the first dramas where I looked at I looked at my husband. And I was like, you would actually really, really love this because my husband loves like psychological thriller mm-hmm. type stuff. Amy, and I feel like we were talking about amnesia right before we got to this amnesia part, right? Like, I feel like we had just recorded the airs and boys over flowers podcast. Like, I feel uh, like I feel like that okay. might have come up. That's I don't know why else we would have been talking about amnesia because we hadn't I seen just feel like we yeah. had it on the brain. Yeah, we for did. sure. And then and we were like, it's we hate it. Like, stop putting amnesia in dramas now. And then and then we finished this. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that is the best use of amnesia I have ever seen. Well, just, so you know, guys, the next book I'm writing, the heroine has amnesia. <laughs> well, I mean, like on an alien planet, but <laughs> obviously, because that's but yeah, I'm totally writing amnesia and I'm really excited about it. And it's because of Flower of Evil. Oh, I love it. I love I just love this couple so much. And I saw like some variety show that they were both in like the two leads were in just kind of like, you know, doing promo one of the you know, one of the announcers on the variety show basically said something that I thought was pretty hilarious. But he's like, you know, that you know, this is a fictional marriage, because no long married couple, like, you know, people aren't like this hot for each other, like you two were in the drama. And I'm like, that may be true or not true, but I just thought their chemistry was amazing. And the fact they were so handsy and just obviously got it all the time just added to like how much I love them together. Agreed. So how are we feeling about serial killers in our romantic dramas? Are we all set or do we need more? 
more. Like, I'm always going to love a good serial killer in a drama. Like, when the Cabilia Blooms showed me, I'll take a serial killer anywhere. Yep. Even in a small town romance, I will 100%. take a serial killer plot. More, more, more. Yeah, I still really want more small town romance with a serial killer for sure. But this, I really liked, like, just like, this was like an effed up serial. Like, we got into like some of like the like bondage and murder of like the serial killer. And I, still enjoyed it yeah i, guess. I mean like keeping people in cages <laughs> torturing them yeah the dog leashes bring it on more more cages and dog leashes all right <laughs> more more cages <laughs> more bloody bags and cages and <laughs> oh my oh my <laughs> and he, honestly that guy messed with me too because he was hot so not only was he like he was I, just, I was just gonna say like another hot serial killer too which i think is even more compelling yeah yeah i mean he looked like you know like some sort of like louis vuitton model <laughs> okay so i mentioned earlier that there was a book with amnesia that i actually really liked so I'll go ahead and make that our recommendation of the week. So the book is called The River Leith or Leith. I'm not actually sure. It's L-E-I-T-H by Letta Blake. And I read this a really long time ago. So I'm going to read the blurb real quick. So the author describes this as a standalone male-male romance. So it is a gay romance with amnesia trope, hurt, comfort, bisexual discovery, first time gay scenes, a second chance at love, and a satisfying happy ending. So this is the blurb. Amnesia stole his memories, but it can't erase their love. Leith is terrified after waking up in a hospital bed to find his most recent memories are three years out of date. Worse, he can't even remember how he met the beautiful man who visits him most days. Everyone claims Zach is his best friend, but Leith's feelings for Zach aren't friendly. There's so much more than that. Zach fills Leith with longing, attraction, affection, lust. And those feelings are even scarier than losing his memory. Because Leith's always been straight, hasn't he? For Zach, being forgotten by his lover is excruciating. Leith's amnesia has stolen everything, their relationship, their happiness, and the man he loves. Suddenly, single and alone, Zach knows nothing will ever be okay again. Desperate to feel better, Zach confesses his grief to the faceless internet, but his honestly might come back to haunt him both. You know, like I said, it's almost kind of similar where they're a couple and he forgets them. And I feel like they were like a closeted relationship. So the other man doesn't even have anyone to like confide in. And it was a really lovely book. So I recommend it. Hmm, it actually sounds really good. Thank you. It came out in like 2014, I think. I don't know. It's, it's an older book. And so it's been a long time since I read it, but I remember really loving it. And Letta Blake is a really talented writer. Cool. Well, what are we all watching? So Megan just recently sold me and I'm going to start Zombie Detective because it's Choi Jin-hook as the zombie detective and I am dying to see that. So I think that's next on my list. Yeah, and I'm still watching it. I'm slower in the summer. So actually, you'll probably end up catching up to me and we can kind of buddy watch it. But it's fun. So and for me, I have to make a decision. I am about to start a drama and I've got two I need to watch for upcoming podcasts. One is Lawless Lawyer with our faved Lee Joong-gi from today. It's great. It's great. You will really. Yeah, I'm excited too. So it's either going to be Lawless Lawyer next so or good. we do from our giveaway that we had for having 5,000 downloads that we did a little while ago. One of our viewers won the like choose a drama and that was going to be Startup. And so I also have to watch Startup. Yep, me too. And Into the Ring. So I've got to just decide which one I'm going to do. I have to watch that one too. Yeah, I mean, those are all good though. You'll, I think you'll really like Lawless Lawyer. If you're in the mood for action, that's definitely Lawless Lawyer. It's super fun. It's it's a great opening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. great opening. And he still emotes like crazy. I mean, there's, oh, he still cries. I mean, he is damaged, you know. But he's wearing 
a gorgeous suit in every yeah, so- single episode. That suit's done right too. Suit's done right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I lo- like, I really love him. So I'm excited. He's great. Anyway. All right. Well. Oma. 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 Yeah. It's like my favorite now. Oma. Cover my cry. <laughs> <laughs> Oma, I killed someone. Oh. Oma, I'm going to bury this body. I did like how enabling his parents were, though. It just shows you, don't enable your kids to do shit. I was going to say, what's really funny is what started off the coma is his mom, like we never mentioned this, his mom saw him trying to bury Hyun Soo after hitting him with his car <laughs> and realizing, <laughs> and right, bury him alive because he was the accomplice of Hyunsu's father. And he's like, oh shit, I got to bury this guy. I just killed his dad too. And wanted to kill him. Yeah. His mom catches him trying to bury the body. And she's like, oh damn. And stabs her own son. But then when he wakes up 14 years later, I guess she's kind of like, well, since we got him back, we're going to cover his crimes now. <laughs> she stabs him in the stomach. And yet somehow he's in a coma. For 14 years. <laughs> and then wakes up I mean, able to, to be a high blood loss. I don't know. I, I got to do so. If you have medical background and knowledge, are you a doctor? Please a let nurse, me know. Please yeah. contact us at afternoon, delight podcast at gmail.com or on Instagram, afternoon, delight podcast. And let us know, can you go into a coma for 14 years for up to 14 years and a wake up going, Oh my, <laughs> ready to walk and talk and murder and B could it happen because you got stabbed in the stomach we want to know so my best friend is a doctor of physical therapy at Hershey Med in Pennsylvania so we're talking a very prestigious hospital and what I think maybe we should have her on the podcast one time and just ask her medical questions because she does all kinds of stuff and be like is this even possible everything will be like no that's not possible <laughs> So on that note, everybody, thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time. Annyeong! Kamsamnida! Thank you for listening to Afternoon Delight. Make sure to subscribe for more great K-Romance conversation. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Afternoon Delight Podcast for more information on our podcast, behind-the-scenes photos, and, of course, pics of our favorite opas and unis. Annyeong! <laughs> <laughs>